This is Dr. C, and I'm stoked to welcome you to an episode of Christory the Podcast. When history is told by Christine, the good old days, and even the not-so-good old days, will make you nod your head. I'm glad you made it to the party. Let's do this. Wishing you welcome again to Christory, where history rules and it's always an adventure. At least the history that we explore here, because we leave the boring stuff and the beaten track to someone else. This is Dr. Christine Contrada, and in today's episode of Christory, we're going to go for one more round in the ring with Charles's coronation day. Now, it wasn't just Charles who got to sport some really impressive, massive, jewel-encrusted headwear with the world watching. Camilla was also crowned during the ceremony. Now, coming out of the gate here, let me clarify that Charles was crowned as a reigning monarch. Camilla, on the other hand, was crowned as a consort, both royal highnesses. But if you saw a Mini Cooper and a Ford Pinto, would you say, oh, but they're both cars? Definitely not. Now, first off, what is a consort? Well, that means that Camilla has no constitutional powers. Rather, she supports her spouse in his duties as the king. But let me explain it this way. Now, I saw my hairdresser of almost 25 years in Florence yesterday. Happy with the results, I did my traditional mirror fluff with my new do and told him, well, don't I feel like a princess? Thank you so much. The response, you aren't a princess, you're a queen. Totally appreciated because princesses actually mean nothing. Queens are the ones that have power, so that's a serious upgrade. However, if he was trying to get rid of me with no subtlety after all these years, he could have responded, nah, you're just a consort. No one dreams of being a consort. Disney avoided this whole mess altogether by never showing the happily ever after. The power dynamic is so unbalanced in this type of relationship that it would make a marriage counselor's head rotate like Linda Blair. It's not just about spending one's life walking behind your spouse. One thing that does seem certain, though, is that Camilla and Charles truly seem to love each other, and that might be enough. They're also quite mature in their mid-70s, which is historically rather unheard of. I would also like to say that in keeping with last week's episode, this historian is going to continue to attempt to be like Switzerland facing a world war, and continue to claim neutrality in the polarizing royalist-anti-royalist debate. Also, in this round, I'm not taking sides in Chuck's messy divorce from Diana. I wasn't there, and honestly, probably neither were you. So we're going to leave that one alone. A messy divorce is a messy divorce. And under a media spotlight, that mess grows to be a landfill in Staten Island. Keep in mind that Charles and Diana were an arranged marriage, and while those can go either way, obviously arranged marriages are quite common for royals. But in this case, it was like oil and water, and then the media tossed in a lit pack of matches. I would also like to preface this list by noting the good old-fashioned pomp and circumstance of a royal coronation certainly lost a lot of its air of mystery, and even the possibility of good old-fashioned intrigue in this kind of high definition. Even if it wasn't high definition that you were watching this on, and you had a good old-fashioned old-school trusty tube TV instead, I'm sure that you could still see that Camilla's body language and expressions 
made it really painfully clear that she was stressed and extremely nervous. If you look at a little closer, it's clear that she was riding a wave of adrenaline that I'm sure rivaled dropping into a barrel and pipeline on Oahu. Now, I do surf, but I've never been crowned queen or dropped into a barrel and pipeline. So take this as an educated hypothesis. Camilla, there was something quite calming about the pastoral theme of your outfit, and that delicate pattern of flora and fauna didn't go unnoticed by viewers. It was certainly a nod to serenity, despite the nature of the stress of your coronation. Both Charles and Camilla's attire for the coronation will actually be on display in Buckingham Palace this summer if you find yourself London side. I'd be remiss not to explain that Camilla is an example of how we tend to judge women by their looks. It would be hard to find someone who's going to claim that Camilla is a beauty by contemporary standards. But unlike most men in positions of power, she is constantly and cruelly judged. Like her or not, at times it's often downright middle school lunchroom level cruel to take a scroll through social media. Knowing countless examples of how monarchs behaved in far worse ways under far less pressure, I've got to say she's handled it like a champ, and I'd like to salute her perseverance, if nothing else. I mean, even Marcus Aurelius, I think, would salute her stoicism. She's pretty damn tough. She's a tough broad with a crown. Also knowing the history of monarchs, I'd say that the crown doesn't really change a person. It actually just puts their underlying personality traits on more steroids than Drago and Rocky IV. Then it puts them underneath the spotlight for everybody to see. And I mentioned much of this leading up to something that I talked about in the last podcast, which was chocked full of historical advice for Charles, Camilla's other half. But considering that social media has completely changed the nature of our interaction with the elites is important. Even weeks later, us peasants are still tweeting and posting stories on Instagram like our never-printed-out invitations for the coronation showed up in our mailboxes a day late and a pound short. Now, Camilla wasn't the woman of the hour, but every movement that she made was under heavy media scrutiny. This was Met Gala level, but that truly Fellini-esque circus is a story for another day. I, for one, would like to think that it would be nice to see Camilla be a success in her new gig. So in honor of Henry VIII's six very unlucky wives, here are six former consorts that could certainly give Camilla the lay of the land. Historical precedence isn't old news, so let's take a look and let's go old school. I'm full of unsolicited advice for Her Royal Highness Camilla, so let's roll. Number one, Prince Philip. Now, Philip was Camilla's father-in-law, and Philip was by the side of his wife, Queen Elizabeth II, as she ascended to the throne in 1952. But he walked into Westminster Abbey as a duke, and he left Westminster Abbey as a duke. The royal family makes it very clear that a man marrying a reigning queen is not a king, but rather a prince consort, This would seemingly prevent the male from usurping power or effectively becoming a regent. 
Now, considering that Philip was also born into the Greek and Danish royal families, the fear was that England might find itself under a foreign king. Suddenly, there'd be more feta and herring than potatoes and beans in the pantry at Windsor Palace. This is a clear protective stance against the traditional gender norm of a king in supreme positions of power. Now, Elizabeth did bestow the title of prince on him, but only in 1957, not during the coronation five years prior. This might seem unbalanced, a prince marrying a queen, but women married to a king in England do take the title of queen, just like you did, Camilla. Now, don't forget, it's only a symbolic role that you hold. You're not a reigning monarch, even with the title of queen. And one last point about Philip. If an 18-year-old man today was writing love letters to a 13-year-old heir apparent, it would knock Camilla right off the front page of Hello! magazine. But our sensibilities have changed, and he proved himself to be a well-respected consort for 69 years. This is the longest in British history, and he served as consort until his death in 2021. So number two, let's kick it old school with Mary I. Now, Mary was the only heir of Henry VIII and his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, She was married to another Philip. This was Philip II of Spain. Mary, or Bloody Mary if you're nasty, or Protestant, forced England, much of it kicking and screaming, back to Catholicism and the Pope. This battle axe of a queen was married to a jury uxoris. That's a Latin title signifying that Philip II ruled only by right of his wife. Basically, this was a not-so-subtle Don't be getting any ideas, Spain. She was both Queen of England and Queen Consort of Spain. Due to the circumstances of the atomic bomb-sized fallout of her father's many wives and the political fallout to follow, Mary came to the throne unwed at the age of 37, with her biological clock ticking harder than Marissa Tomei's in the classic film My Cousin Vinny. Now, for Mary, the goal was to produce a Catholic heir, to block her Protestant sister, Elizabeth, at the pass. Now, the English aristocracy were having a Karen-sized breakdown, fearing that England would be controlled by Habsburg Spain. But that didn't stop Mary, and you've got to hand it to her for being bold, especially because if you ignore disputed reigns, she was the first ruling queen of England. She thought she was pregnant, perhaps a medieval burrito baby, but she wasn't, and sadly she died at the age of 42. That would leave her sister Elizabeth to the crown. They didn't get along in life, but they ended up buried together at Westminster Abbey in a tomb that reads, We sisters, consorts in realm and tomb. Awkward. Now, Camilla, if you're having a bad day, Just remember that at least you're not under any pressure to produce a surviving heir. And number three, stands as a reminder to be nice to Chuck. He likes mushroom risotto, and apparently he takes his tea with milk and honey. I say this because, honey, he doesn't need a consort. Elizabeth I, who ascended to the throne in 1558, didn't have one. 
She carefully crafted an image of herself as the Virgin Queen, unmarried to any man who might not do right by England, and she presented herself as more of a martyr, the world's smallest violin level, of course, willing to put England above her own personal relationships. That all having been said, she made this decision because she couldn't marry the man of her choice. This was dreamy Robert Dudley, because he was a subject, and Parliament basically said over our dead bodies. Camilla, you know a thing or two about being married to the wrong guy pre-Charles. Interestingly enough, your society wedding of the year to Andrew Parker Bowles in 1973 was attended by Queen Anne and the Queen Mother, Charles's grandma. Charles is also godfather to your son. The small circles of aristocracy are actually quite small. The takeaway from Renaissance Elizabeth, choose your marriage wisely, and when you married Charles in 2005, it was a union long in coming. Even Elizabeth, the one with the little handbag, came around to publicly supporting you as queen consort and to take that title, and she said this in 2022, which makes the pathway to your coronation a lot clearer. And number four, why not add another Elizabeth to the mix? This Elizabeth was known as the Queen Mother, so as not to confuse her with her daughter, Elizabeth II. Like her, you, Camilla, was never supposed to become a queen. The Queen Mother became consort in 1936, when her husband George VI came to the throne. George's older brother, Edward VIII, had abdicated so that he could marry the divorced American Wallace Simpson. This was downright scandalous. The strength of the Queen Mother shined as a wartime queen during World War II. She was widowed at the age of 51, but she would continue to act as a powerful matriarch until her death at the age of 101. She was active pretty much until the end with her royal duties. Now, this tough broad turned down George the first time he proposed to her, saying that she refused based on the grounds that she would never be free to think, speak, and act the way that she wanted to. She knew the patriarchy pretty well. George wasn't deterred, and he stayed in hot pursuit, eventually winning her over with his third proposal. She wasn't queen consort for long, but she's very influential as a mom consort to her daughter Elizabeth. What can you learn from her? I'd say the biggest takeaway is that she hardly ever spoke in public. I've also found that you're quite quiet, and it worked in her favor, so it might work in your favor. Most of us do forget that this little bitty of a grandma thought, against all popular opinion, that Charles's wife Diana was downright foul. I am sure that she would be in your corner these days, as you're so often under scrutiny. And number five. Now, despite all the odds, there are consorts that break all the rules, and Eleanor of Aquitaine was a proverbial Amazon. This firecracker of a French princess was born in 1122, and she was quite the eligible bride. But unlike most eligible brides in the Middle Ages, she led armies. She went to prison. She had a scandalous annulment of her first marriage. She went to war in the Second Crusade, 
and then she helped her sons to raise their own armies against their father. So unlike our other female consorts, Eleanor actually did rule. First as a duchess, when she ascended to power as a child, because disease had killed much of her immediate family. Then she went on to become Queen of France. She was married to Louis VII, Louis the Younger, because he was a king who was never meant to be king. His older brother had died. Louis was being groomed to be a monk, and that's not an easy mentality to shift out of to get to temporal power. Eleanor's husband would go and get himself excommunicated, and I'm sure that she spent a lot of her time feeling like she was pretty much cleaning up his hot mess. She went with him on a crusade in 1145, and they got their asses kicked by Muslim forces. Of course, she got blamed. This might have been the final straw, as Eleanor had spent years trying to get her marriage annulled. When she finally got the Pope to sign off, she had to leave her daughters behind. Camilla, your kids are still with you, sans royal title, so you won't have to make those kinds of choices. What happened to Eleanor was far worse than dealing with the slime on Tinder. Back in the 12th century, the dating scene... Everyone seemed to be acting like a Nigerian prince, spamming your AOL account in 1999. They were going after her land, which she had gotten back after the annulment. So Eleanor went from Amazon and Crusader to full-fledged cougar, and at the age of 28, she married Henry, heir to the British throne, who was only 19 years old. This was unheard of in the Middle Ages. Camilla... Hopefully your ex does not come back, because Louis over in France got pissed and went to war against Henry. At the time, Eleanor supported Henry, but her second marriage would soon sour too. When her teenage sons tried to oust their English daddy, she took their side, and she spent most of the rest of her life as a prisoner and a political pawn. In the end, her son Richard did come to the throne in England, And he not only freed his 65-year-old mom, but made her a regent. This is more powerful than being a consort, especially because he left England to go thundering around on a third crusade. And this left her as regent to take care of things in England while he was away. Since this was pre-Zoom meeting, she did whatever she wanted. And yes, I still picture Richard as Sean Connery, And if you do too, I salute you. Camilla, your kids have no actual titles, but if they go toe-to-toe with Charles, be sure to choose widely to avoid all of this. And number six, a very fitting number six, don't find yourself in the position of any of Henry VIII's six wives because divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. In order, Catherine of Argonne, Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, and the lone survivor of the pack, Catherine Parr. Henry liked to get married. Apparently, he liked Catherine's, but he wasn't so keen on coronations. Only two of his wives were crowned. Catherine of Argonne, the first wife, was crowned alongside her new husband, when he started his reign all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in 1509. The second consort was Anne Boleyn. 
She rolled into her coronation in 1533, decked out in purple trimmed with fur, which was pretty brazen considering that she had just busted up a marriage and was the catalyst to drop the Catholic Church like a hot potato. Now, Henry didn't care. He pulled out all the stops at her coronation. This is the equivalent of tossing the keys of a Ferrari with a bow on it. Anne B. was crowned with the St. Edward's crown, which had only been worn by monarchs until that point. Henry had Anne beheaded after a few years. Same head, different situation. Apparently, he learned his lesson and decided no more crowns until he had a surviving male heir. Don't worry, Charles didn't wear that crown. His was remade in 1649 because Parliament destroyed the original during a hissy fit during the English Civil War. The one on your head was made for Queen Mary in 1911. She was Queen Consort of George V. So thumbs up to your sustainability for not having a new one made. But you've got some blood diamonds on your head. Now most diamonds are... And mining, well, that's been very messy business since the dawn of civilization. So I'm not really pointing fingers, but you might want to watch your image. So let me close by saying that, Camilla, I know I'm leaving you with a lorry load full of history to think about. In truth, you might not hold the reins, but historians will judge you too. Consorts don't really lurk in the shadows as much as you might think that they do. This historian is withholding judgment, at least for the moment. And generally speaking, historians play fair. We won't judge you until it's all said and done. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, I've got my official tea towel out, but you're not on it, and that makes me a little sad. Less sad is the fact that you and Charles have been using the monikers Fred and Gladys for decades. It just sounds positively, well, full-on commoner. Next thing I know, you'll be standing online at Tesco because a box of PG tips is on sale two for one. That's the thing about consorts. There seem to be far less rules to break, so go for it. Although I'd probably ditch Gladys for something like Queen Bee if I were you. You know, shock them with a little, little Kim. Perhaps social media will finally salute you. So see you next time, and thanks for coming along for the ride. Catch you later.